Welcome to Action's Antidotes, your antidote to the mindset that keeps you settling for less. Those of you who have been listening to my podcast, especially the last few episodes, know that I'm really interested in travel. But if you're really open to travel and travel experiences, you realize that travel is actually a two-way street. Sometimes we get up, we go out, we get in our car, on a train, on a plane, and we go visit another place. But sometimes people and experiences from other places come to where we are. And that's something that has happened to me quite a bit this summer, including only a few blocks from my home where food available from my guest today, Joanna, the founder of Joanna's Kitchen, is available at my local grocery store. Joanna, welcome to the program. Hello there. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Definitely. And so, Joanna, you make food from your original homeland of Ghana. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening to this podcast who have never had Ghanaian food or never even had West African food. And so what I'm wondering is, what can people expect when they try it? And what should people be thinking about going into the experience? So Ghanaian food is very flavorful. It's full of spice. Um, I do definitely try to make it more of a medium mild so everybody's able to enjoy it. But I also do have gluten-free option. I have vegan option and then meetup option. I try to make it so that everybody, regardless of your dietary restriction, you're able to enjoy the cuisines for a little bit for everybody. So it's just full of flavor. I've had a lot of clients from all parts of the world tell me that it kind of reminds them of like their grandma's cooking or they're mm. back home cooking. So it definitely feels good to be able to like connect with people from all over and not just Ghanaian people. When you talk about the spices, you talk about being like heavily spiced. And if someone were to want the full authentic Ghanaian experience, would this most likely be a level of spice that overwhelms the average American here in Colorado or anywhere else? Yes, I would definitely say the average Ghanaian is more of a a high to an extra um, extra high. So it's more peppery and more spicy. And for me, my experience is just for you just to try our cuisine. So I definitely have the spice there, but my goal is more of the flavor. And so like our bell peppers, we use lemongrass. I use a little bit from every cuisine. So we use like curry, we use nutmeg. And so I feel like it's amazing to be able to like see the same ingredients that we use here, make the same dishes. And so that's why I also offer cooking classes because I love to be able to show people that you can make this dish. Like it's not unique ingredients that I'm getting sort of from Ghana. Like there is certain things like palm oil, but most dishes you are able to create yourself as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because your business is not just about the food, it's about the catering and the cooking classes. And so what can someone expect from a, from a cooking class? Because I'm sure a lot of people have thought about taking a cooking class or even during the pandemic, a lot of people thought a lot more about cooking and took that up as a common habit. So with my cooking class, I try to create the whole experience. So we're going to be listening to Afrobeat. We're going to be listening to Ghanaian music. All of the platewares are mostly clay-like. I have the African cloths. A lot of our dish are eating with our hands. And so with our in-home experience, we are going to be most part using our hands to enjoy our meals. I do like to have 
my guests be a part of the cooking experience. So everything is not made beforehand. So like we are cutting the tomatoes to making the sauce because I want you to see all the process. It is a little bit more of a lengthy process because our stuff do sit and marinate for a while. But I also love to be able to see that what all it takes to make a dish. To make a, you know, many of the dishes that you offer both through your catering service and your cooking class, how long should someone set aside if someone were to like find a recipe and follow it properly? For most of our recipes, it goes between two and um, three hours. It is kind of lengthy from the start. If it's a vegan meal, it's much, much more simpler. Like for instance, if we're making fried plantain and black eyed peas, we would have to soak the beans for a little bit. And then we make the sauce and then we fry the plantain. So that dish is like an hour, 40, 45 minutes from cooking the beans to making everything. But if you're making like something that has like goat lamb, then the course of the meat has to cook for a bit of time. So that can take between four to five hours. So it's definitely labor intensive. Oh, wow. What if I, that reminds me of some of the like Southern barbecue traditions that I found out I'm originally from New York and you know <laughs> lived in Chicago and Colorado. So I never really experienced like the, you know, the real Southern culture. And then I found out that it's only considered barbecue with them. If you slow cook it over wood and that a lot of people who do their barbecues there will wake up early in the morning to like start cooking the meat that they're going to serve at like 7 PM in the evening, just because it just kind of slowly cooks over wood for a long time. And so I've also heard about this movement called the slow foods movement, which is mostly around not being in a hurry all the time, not trying to like cram every activity into every minute or make something that should take a certain amount of time go faster just because we're always in a kind of starving for time in our culture today. I definitely agree because I feel like with certain meals, you know, slow cooking the broth, there's definitely a lot of benefits in it. And so being able to enjoy every aspect of it. And also for an instant, my sobolo drink that I make, it's done in a process of a four hour process. So we brew the hibiscus and the uh, pineapple skin and the ginger, and we let that brew down. And then once that cools, we add our ginger and our honey to it. So I do definitely feel like a lot of our meals it's love. Like it definitely, it's not a short time period. It's it's made with love. And so does that mean that in the, in the Ghanaian or West African tradition, when a food is made with love, does that also mean it's made like in a group as opposed to just one person by themselves cooking? As a business owner, I am finding help because a lot of our meals, it's not a one person labor. It's definitely a team effort just because like, because you make something called kenke, which is we take cornmeal, we -hmm. ferment it for about two weeks. And then after it's fermented, we cook partially of it. And then we take corn husks, we individually wrap it, and then we boil it for uh, eight to 12 hours. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's a, (laughs) that, that's that whole day thing we're just talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and like when you taste it, a lot of people say like it gives you like a sourdough because it's fermented type of feel. But I feel like that's only created over that process. Like you can't just do that in one day and get that sourdough taste. A lot of our meals are definitely more challenging for me to do as far as for catering. And so for those meals that are like more labor intensive, I try to do in-home experience because I feel like it's harder to produce that at a mass setting for pop-ups. So in-home experience, is that where you come in and you cook the meal kind of like, like a home catered meal in a way? 
in home care, but also I have my clients be very much involved. So they would be helping me cut the oh, wow. mixed in the stew. I like them to know what they're making. So this is include like kind of a lot of dinner parties that people put together if someone's mm-hmm. having a, an event. Girls say, night. Yeah. yeah. One of those, you know, a lot of people over and they all kind of get involved, cook this meal together and then then enjoy it. So in these events, after you cook the meal, everyone kind of cooks it together. You often like join everyone at the table and, and talk about like the cultural experience and stuff like that. I always start off by our culture. We are given a name based off of the day you were born. I was born on a Monday. So my cultural name is Ajua. So okay. I always love to like kind of break the ice shell, but like what day were you born? So that we have that connection where you know what your cultural name is. And then a lot of the dishes, a lot of people are not used to eating with their hand. Like it's not like a two hand, it's like the whole hand method. And so I kind of go over like how to properly grab it so that you're not feeling embarrassed, but then also you feel comfortable to what you're doing as well. Oh, wow. So I have to admit that I've been messing up. As I mentioned before, your food is available in this uh, convenience, this grocery store, a few blocks yes. from my house, the Sun Market. And uh, I have to admit, I've been eating it with a fork and I guess I've been doing it incorrectly. <laughs> But yes, it's very much meant to be eaten with your hands. And my goal right now is um, I am trying to have my juice and my meals available at multiple locations. I want to make it where it's like not just because right now I don't have a storefront quite yet. I would like in the next two years to have a restaurant. I would like to have like because I love Afrobeat and a lot of Afrobeat. African music, like it reminds me of back home because I still have that connection. And so I would love my restaurant to be open mainly on the weekends. So it's more like a night feel, but then I would like it where be able to um, invite artists from my country to come play. And for my setup, I want it kind of like a long table community gathering type of setup. But then I also want people to be able to enjoy most of their meals with their hands. So little to no utensils there. But I want people to be able to like when they step in my restaurant, kind of step back into my culture a bit. You're bringing that cultural experience with the travel being a two way street to the people who are here. And it reminds me of one of my uh, first guests, Kayla Ferguson, has an organization called Same Plate Denver, which essentially is just that. She talks about how she traveled the world. And then, of course, most people who don't travel for a living can't always be traveling. Eventually you run out of money, you run out of energy, you run out of something, but still want to bring that experience to other people. And so, you know, we've had similar events that one of my guests uh, who a couple episodes ago, who is part of the Adelante foundation. Um, and so when I met at one of her events about Honduran food, bringing the experience of that country. And so it's interesting to get the experience here. And so Having been from Ghana, lived in the United States most of your life, you're probably really well-versed in this whole idea of getting different cultural experiences from different areas. What do you feel like is the, the main benefit from doing something like this, where you immerse yourself in a different culture from somewhere else in the world than your own? I think it's amazing for people that always wanted to kind of experience that. Um I haven't been to Ghana since I was eight. And so for my 
35th birthday, my goal is to be able to go to Ghana and to kind of like bring the world of here with me. And I know that that's going to be amazing as well, too. But I just want to be able to like first or second generation where their family was born there, where for me, I was born there. So I feel like there's more of a connect for me. I want to just be able to like enlighten them, make them know of what it is back home. Because when I was growing up, I came to the country and I didn't speak any English. And I went through just a really rough stage of just like understanding and accepting everything. And so being able to switch it where now it's like I am teaching people about my country. Like I haven't been so much more happier to teach people about myself than this phase of my life. So it's really amazing to be able to be like, I love who I am. I love that I came from this unique place and I can share this with you. You know, you talk about community, you talk about the, you know, the labor, the labor and the, the food together. Is there, is there something from Ghanaian culture, I guess, that, that we could kind of benefit from, you know, maybe doing a little more of, maybe thinking a little bit more about? I would definitely have to say being appreciative. I feel like a lot of us, we look at what other people are going through and kind of want to be in their mind or where they're at. And so just being appreciative of like where we're at and how we're slowly going up and not giving up. And so just like having that mentality that like it's not the end, but we're we're not giving up, that we're slowly going, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's a key part of starting a business and sticking with it as well, because most people talk about you need something to get you through. You don't just snap a finger. You know, we live in a culture of instant gratification with social media, everything online. Oh, you just post a picture. You've got a hundred likes right now, right? Versus some of the most important things in life. Some of the things that are really worth doing are not in that realm of instant gratification. And that goes for any starting a business. It takes a little while to get from point A to point B. You know, it took a little while for you to be like, I'm going to start the business to now it's available in grocery stores. And you go into the point where it's going to be a storefront and then, you know, wherever you're going there. So that appreciative state seems like a very important aspect of that particular part of the journey of anyone listening to this program that's going to be saying, I'm going to start the thing that I really want to start where my true passions are. That is very true. And just not giving up. Like it's not an easy road. There's definitely been times, especially being a mom of, you know, a special needs son. There's definitely been times where I'm just wanting to give up, but I definitely know that in a couple of years, it's going to be so much more beautiful. And so just, just keep going. You got this. I think you're alluding to some of these days and most people have had those days where you're just so exhausted. You have all the things you need to do. It's been a while since you reached a new milestone to really encourage you. And there's like another struggle, day-to-day tasks, all that. You're just really exhausted. Is there a method that you use in your brain to get through those days to say, okay, this is a really, really exhausting day. I have a list of 15 things that I absolutely have to get done today to do it and not give up and say, no, because we're making progress toward this thing that I really want. For me, what I do is like the days where I have like two or three events, I like to just kind of make a list that day. I spend like zero to little time on social media because I kind of want to be in my focus zone. And I also like to kind of plan ahead. I like my mise en place. And so if I know like this Friday is going to be very busy with today being Tuesday, I'm already after this uh, meeting 
going to be doing my grocery list and kind of getting that done. So I like to break things up into different days so that it's not overwhelming for me in one day. I just find that much more easier. So I kind of break it throughout the week so that each day I'm accomplishing something for Friday, but it's not so big. Yeah. So you're spreading it out. And this is something where, you know, everyone's journey is different. So everyone can have a different technique, but it might be tough to say, okay, I have 18 hours worth of stuff to do today and then only two hours worth of stuff to do tomorrow. You would rather, and I think there's probably a lot of people listening also would rather say, find a way to be like, okay, no, we can, we can kind of move some stuff around to even it out to make each day around the same amount of productiveness and around the same amount of energy load, essentially, because you know, we all run out of energy at some point. We all at some point have to take a rest. That's definitely true. There have been days where I've had events back to back to back and it's been exhausting, but I also feel like me having like my things already prepped where I'm just going to the commissary kitchen and just grabbing and going makes it a lot more easier because I'm not prepping and then going to an event. So I just feel like for me personally, it just helps us breaking it up a bit. And now, so with your personal story, you talk about moving from Ghana when you were eight years old and not really knowing the language, not really knowing what's going on. How long did it take you to feel comfortable where you are? I would have to say this point in my life. I would definitely have to say that because there was a lot of cultural differences as far as like the way we show emotions, the way we like just deal with our parents, the way we just speak, just a lot of things that was just quite different from back home. And so I just went through a phase of just like feeling confused. And then once I learned the language, I still went through a phase of like, who am I? Like accepting who I was, the fact that I wasn't from here, that I was different. And now to have a business that is dedicated to showing people my cuisine, it's just like amazing because now I'm constantly on YouTube. And the fact that I haven't been in Ghana since eight, me planning this big trip for my 35th birthday, I'm so excited because I have so much flashbacks of being back there and I still speak our native tone. And so I still feel quite a bit of connection. So I'm just like, I'm excited. <laughs> Uh, that is exciting because it sounds like a big part of your business, a big part of your understanding of things is staying kind of connected to those roots, which is, I think is, you know, part of anyone's story. I, I think about New York more than I probably should have. And I haven't been <laughs> back there in several years. It's not, it's not two decades, but it's still been several years. And I keep thinking to myself, all right, you know, when am I going to go back there, experience the way things are there, which same country, but there are some differences in the culture between the two places, for sure. Like what's available, like for us, like flavors, taste. And so like right now I, I talk to, you know, my family, what's my family is still back there. So I still do talk to them and I still do talk to them with my native language. And with my kiddos, I even teach them our language because I want them to have that connection. We speak, our native tone is tree. There's over a ton of different languages throughout different villages. But to be able to like go to like an African market and speak that, a lot of them will look at me like, oh, do you understand that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and then... um. Are there other people in Colorado that you can speak your native tongue with? It's mostly when I go to African stores that I guess I don't look African, which I'm just like, I don't know how you're supposed to look African. I just 
So, I, yeah. I just, so it's just really weird when I go in and like they see me pick out certain ingredients and just like look at me crazy. And then when I speak the native tone, they're like, oh my gosh, you're one of us. You know the language. And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely like amazing to be able to like connect with them. Um, right now I am hiring. And so I am trying to like look at other Ghanaians that, you know, love cooking our cuisines that wouldn't mind that being their job. And so I'm definitely looking at hiring at this moment. And so have you been able to connect, you know, these African markets and some of the other population with these people that are, you know, in your local area to kind of participate in some of these cultural traditions to kind of, you know, maintain that connection with those roots? Yeah, I definitely feel like being in Colorado, I haven't found like any place that, you know, plays African music or like have that diversity of it. And so that's why I'm really eager to open that because when I do like pop-ups, I usually try to have like the music where you're hearing the music. Like I want to take you there where even though you're waiting for your food, you're hearing something different that a lot of people enjoy. And so that's kind of my goal for my restaurant. But at this moment, just kind of worry about getting my name out there, getting who I am out there so that once I open the restaurant, it's more successful and it takes off. Yeah. So um, on the business side of things, I guess, since you're planning your next step, which is opening the the storefront, uh, what do you view as the kind of the necessary conditions, prerequisites for having that open? Because you want to know that you'll be able to pay the rent on that place from your business and turn enough of a profit to pay, you know, your employees, everyone that you hire. If anyone out there is like thinking about getting a restaurant up, what do you think is needs to be in place that reassurance you need to know this is enough for me to then go ahead, buy the building or, you know, sign the lease on the building and open this up? For me, um, it has been very important growing my social media because I feel like with our age, everybody goes off of either reviews or how many um, reels you got there, how many videos, just how many people are watching your stories. And so I have been very interactive with my social media, with catering and cooking and the meal prep. Um, I'm also focusing on my juice beverage. And so my juice is called Sobolo. And so right now I am working on, by the end of this year, having it in 10 cafes or coffee shops. And so my goal is just to get my name out there and my logo, because I feel like the more you see me once I have the restaurant, it's going to be more eager. And so with my restaurant, I'm not planning to have it open every day, just more Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where it's like, if you don't get in those days, you're going to have to like wait. So it's like a hot spot. And so I'm trying to create an experience when I think about my, my restaurant. I know some international cuisine here in the United States are what people refer to as Americanized. And I'm wondering is, have you had to do any of that to appeal to crowds here? Other than of course, like lowering the spice level. Or have you generally been able to keep your food pretty authentic to to what the culture is? Um, I would definitely have to say 80% of my clients are not Ghanaians. And to me, like at first, I was like, that's so weird. But to me, I've had a lot of people that's like, well, I've been to Ghana and I studied there. And I remember this kenke dish or I remember the fufu dish. I remember this drink. So to me, I love being able to just like connect with you in some point. And so I feel like the only thing that I've had to change at this time is the spice level, because a lot of my clients don't want that overpowering spice. And so just kind of lowering that. But as far as the other ingredients, I want them to have that 
that similar taste that they had back in Ghana. So I'm keeping all of it the same, just kind of lowering the spice a bit. And with the custom orders, if you want a spicier, I could definitely do that for you. But when I'm doing pop-ups, I definitely try to keep it more of a medium just so everybody's able to taste it and then go from there. So I do give out samples at my pop-ups just so you know what you're, you're getting yourself into. And then do you find a lot of people special requesting saying, yeah, like put the full spice in is when you do find your Ghanaian clients or even clients from similar types of countries, are they more likely to then say, okay, crank it up, give me the full spice? <laughs> I've definitely had, um, I would say 20% of my clients that are like, yeah, definitely go for it. And I'm like, okay. So I always have like a little spice. Um, it's called shito sauce on the sides and that's like our spice spice and so when i'm like there you go and so i always kind of have that sauce when you're ready to take the next leap but i was just like let's start off slow and just go up (laughs) have you uh, have you ever had someone try to be tough and be like give me all the spice and then like not be able to handle it and you see them like no walking up yeah no walking up like talking and it's like you just don't walk I'm like no I'm good I'm like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened a couple of times but I feel like overall like just the bold flavor because it's very flavorful like I use a lot of, like cilantro like a lot of our ingredients are so similar and so that's what it's amazing because a lot of people think like it's important it's been six months no I really don't it's not, no. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that is awesome. And and so as of where you are now, it seems like there's, there's a certain level where you're talking about appreciating the journey, but also a certain level where you can kind of already think of yourself as being successful. Do you do you feel that way? I do. Um, I just graduated from um, Rocky Mountains Micro Minus, and they give you like three mentors, and that class has it was a twelve weeks class, and so oh, wow. it's definitely like really helped me. Just kind of looking at like the bigger picture of my company and kind of where I want to go, because at some point, making all these meals that are so labor intensive over and over again, it gets tiring, and so at this point, me focusing more on my beverage, I feel like I can look at from a part-time employee to a full-time because it's much easier to train with a drink and with the meals it's much more intensive where the drink we can make a big quantity of it and have at stores and so that's why when I look at having my drink at stores 10 stores by the end of this year that's very manageable where looking at having meals at 10 stores is a bit more tougher just because the quality control and the fact that you can't make the meals and freeze it it just does not work out the same and so I'm in the phase of like not really rebranding my company because I still offer the food but kind of choosing to focus on my juice so that takes off and then slowly keep building the food but I feel like the food will be more available at the restaurant but having my Jews at different locations and keep seeing me will get the hype for the restaurant once that starts. And that's kind of where I'm looking at it. That makes sense. And it's interesting you bring up quality control because one of the things that some people worry about as you expand, if you were to build a location and if you were to build anything beyond that, is that eventually you have other people cooking. And I think we've all seen some of the larger chain restaurants struggle with expanding to dozens, hundreds, thousands of locations, and still maintaining that same quality control that you maintain there. 
do you have an idea in your kind of business pursuits going forward of like where you want to be ultimately like with this Friday, Saturday, Sunday storefront? Is there like a, a bigger move after that? So like my goal is once I get the juices out, I would definitely like to have like meal preps back available right now. Cause right now my meal preps are like a container and sealed. I am yeah. working with a company that would like seal it so that there'll be no air being able to go in the meals. And that would kind of like help the lifespan of it. So instead of two to three weeks, it'll be much longer where you can freeze it and then pop it in there whenever to go. So I'm definitely working on that. I'm also working on having a spice line available where you can just buy any meat, any product and still create the meals. And so I definitely have little projects that kind of all fall under this umbrella and keep that excitement going. But I feel like once I open my store, with having me at all these different locations is going to be like, well, this is the, the place. And so that will just kind of help bring in that traffic. And it being limited days, that will also limit how often you're able to use our store. And that makes sense. So you have the Friday, Saturday, Sunday availability at the storefront, and then you'll have the packaged meals available at, at all the, times at stores. Yes. At stores at all times and the juices available. And with the juices, it seems like you're talking mostly about coffee shops and kind of similar types of places. Just going to ask, um, are the juices caffeinated or do they have caffeinated versions or are they more of like an afternoon refresher drink? Like what's the, you know, the use case? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah the the juice, it's called Sopolo. Right now we are working with five different flavors. Our classic is the hibiscus ginger. So it's hibiscus, ginger, pineapple skin, clove, and it's honey. So um, you can drink this hot like tea. You can drink it cold or you can drink it with spice rum. So there is three different ways to enjoy it. And so my main focus is the fact that you can enjoy it in so many different ways, not just the summertime, but as the fall, as a tea, because that's how I like to drink it as a tea. Like the hibiscus mm -hmm. and pineapple skin is really good for your immune system. It is really good for your blood flow. So there's so many different benefits and the clove is like amazing for you. So there's so many different benefits to this drink. And so my main focus at this time is um, I am rebranding my website, but kind of making it stand out where it's mostly focusing on the juice, focusing on different ways to have it as a cocktail because it, it goes really well with spice form since yeah. they share a lot of ingredients. But I also want to focus on different cocktail places to have it. There's a bar that is looking at having me have the drink available there. So I'm just trying to like just look at different beverages places that could use it as a mixer. Oh, yeah. So and you said the best mixer, well, the best thing to mix it with is spiced rum. It could be some other types of beverages. There's probably at least one type of alcohol that you would say never mix it with. <laughs> at this time, I don't have what I would say vodka. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking, all right, this is probably like maybe put it with tequila, but, but not vodka. <laughs> But I love the fact that you can enjoy it in three ways. And right now I am working on a lemonade one, like all the same base, but it's going to be an additive. So I'm working on the, not an additive, but a fresh um, flavor that's added to it. So we're working on a lemonade one, a watermelon one, a mint one. Wow. And so those are going to be coming later on, but I want to get the classic scents 
the hibiscus, a lot of people that are Jamaican, a lot of people that are Puerto Rican, a lot of different countries resonate with the hibiscus and pineapple. So this drink is so diverse. Like it's not just a Ghanaian drink. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was thinking that like the whole time, of course, like, you know, rum is a very, you know, Caribbean, Puerto Rican, you know, Puerto Rico is where the Bacardi factory is. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's going to be some like cultural, right. cultural overlap with some places the same way, like, like some of your, some of your curries might have some overlap with like India and some exactly. of these other places. Yes. Yes. So I definitely love it because my goal is not just to intrude one people. I want to intrude everybody. And with my meal preps, as it goes, I would like to also reach out to nursery homes to have it available at people that have special needs because they want healthy meals. I have this one lady and she is blind and she's been my client for the last two years now. Every week I make her meals and she loves my meals because it's convenient. She can just warm it up when she's ready to eat. And so I definitely want to make my meals because it's a healthier alternative. I just want to make for people that want to try new things that work a lot, aren't able to create this, but also have the convenience to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, blindness is just a really, really tough thing to deal with. And that's like one of the things you were getting at before about the whole appreciation. And a lot of times, one thing that I've been trying to do lately, but admit I always forget to do is just appreciate the things that I have, like that I can, that I can see well and without glasses, which is, you know, like a really amazing thing. Or I, I hiked a uh, 14er, 14,000 foot mountain with my Siberian Husky on last Thursday so, nice. you know, like kind of like just looking around and just being like, okay, you know, this is a, this is a beautiful mountain, the way the morning sun is like kind of, you know, pressing against the the mountain in the morning, or even here in Denver, the way it presses against the the buildings. If you kind of go out at like maybe 6.30, 6.15 in the morning at this time of year, stuff that we oftentimes don't take time to appreciate. And so hopefully everything that you're doing is helping people appreciate some of these things uh, a little bit more. There's times where I have pop-ups where I don't sell out. And so I am very big with giving back to the community. Um, I donate at least twice a week at the Denver community refrigerators. Either I am picking up meals from food rescues and filling up the refrigerators or meals from my events. Um, I don't toss them. I make to go meals and I deliver at the refrigerators. So people that are homeless, people that don't have meals are able to just open the fridge and at least get something. Yeah. I I believe there's one uh, a few blocks further down the road from where I live and where that sun market is um, like by what's the name of that bridge. Um, I think it's, I don't remember the name of it, but I know it's at like downing and 18th. I think there's like this kitchen that people can kind of go into. It's like on the other side of the, the St. Joseph is it hospital. Kitchen? It might be, I'd have to, Okay. I'd have to look it up, but yeah, it is always good to, I mean, you know, give a little bit back to the people who really just don't have it. And then, so you're planning a trip back to Ghana in a few years time. What do you expect to experience there? Because uh, I know you've been living here for a couple of decades and now you're headed back there speaking the native tongue and everything like that. Um, You know, do you expect people to greet you a certain way? Do you expect to reconnect with certain people? Is there like some sort of an agenda for the trip? Yeah, um, I definitely have like a lot of cousins that, we grew up like I remember them little and then they're still there. Um, I talk to them. 
I know that when I go back, it's definitely going to be like exciting to just like reconnect with all my family that's there. I am looking for for my kiddos to be able to see a cultural difference because I feel like they grew up here. They've only kind of seen in videos what it could look like, what I talk about. So for them to really be there and be like, I'm actually here. I am really excited for them just to see the reality of things and how to be more appreciative of what we have here once we come back. And so I'm really excited to, I know that I make my cuisines, but to be able to like attentively taste the different things and just to like connect with this, like the people that make it and to like share that I make it as well. I'm just really excited for all that. And so right now I am also trying to grow my YouTube Every week I am working on new recipes uh, of like our meals, but I'm also kind of planning that for the trip. So I'm going to be recording a lot of the trip of how it's back there, the 16 hour trip, just all that that takes to it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I'm, guessing there's gonna be some, <laughs> I'm guessing there's going to be a, a changing of planes somewhere, right? Yes. In England. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my gosh. Heathrow. Yeah, London. Hopefully, yes, London. That's where you kind of came. Yes. Uh, not to jinx it, but hopefully they get better at not losing baggage between now and then. <laughs> Don't say that. They're five years. Yeah, yeah. Five, they, they have. All right, so yeah, they have. They have five years to figure out how to like. And I don't even know if that's a problem. I remember seeing this like in the news six weeks ago, and I've been trying to like not really pay much attention to the news lately because most of it is pretty depressing. But. It is. It's yeah. very anxiety prone. And I'm just like, I I am kind of right now at a phase where, but even with my business page, I've went down to I've deleted all my followers that I'm following because I want to get the mental like my my mentalness there. Like I'm not here to compete with anybody. I'm just here to share my gift. And I believe that everybody has a special gift. So I don't see anybody as a competition. I, if anything, I love collaborating with like other chefs because I feel like we all have something to learn from each other. So why not? Now, have you encountered other chefs from other West African nations? And if so, you know, is the cuisine similar or is it like very much different in each country? Very different. Very, very, very different. And that's kind of one of my goals as my company grow. I would like to be a mentor and kind of because my cuisine is more Ghanaian. And I feel like Nigerian, South African, Egypt, I feel like we're all somewhat close as far as like the ginger, garlic, pepper base. But I feel like the additional stuff is different, like the the season that's added because I feel like we use a combination of fresh herbs and season and that's what creates our our taste because it's not just season which is loaded with sodium it's more of the freshness of the herb and the season mm. mix, and that creates that deliciousness so I feel like we all kind of start off with that same base but then their season is what takes off or what's different from ours. So I've had a lot of people that's from like Egypt that's like, I really enjoy this because it reminds me of my grandma, but maybe that that dish they use raisin or it's just prepared a slightly more. But I do know like a lot of us do use rice, but I mm-hmm. feel like rice is like an overall a feeling for most people. Yeah, there's like so much of the world. I mean, I, I'd be hard to think of a country in the world that doesn't use rice for right? anything. Like maybe Scandinavia. I, I can't think of rice in a Swedish dish, but right now, at least in the top of my head, but 
you mentioned cilantro before. So you're talking about those freshly cut cilantro as opposed to in a shaker, you know, in a spice yeah. type of thing, you know, like right. the freshly so like cut. I make this like green salsa where I'm looking at in a couple of months having it available for stores, but I'm more trying to like diverse my meals where right now it's ready to go. But as I grow, I want it to be, you can buy these items off the shelf and create your own. So my green salsa would have like different bell pepper, roasted garlic, pepper, cilantro, lemongrass, ginger, um, carrots. So just like different things, avocado oil blended down. And so you can like marinate this on like a meat. You can just kind of put this, let it chill for a while and you get that flavor. Or if you're making like a bean stew, that would be the base that you would start out the oil with and then add your tomato sauce and then your black eyed peas. So this sauce is like a starter for everything. So I just kind of want to make it where it's like, no matter where you're at with your cooking level, you can do this. You can do this. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like an adventure too, because, you know, like learning to cook something completely different than what you've always done before. And when you talk about the freshly cut herbs and even vegetables, you talked about carrots, are they stuff that like are kind of straight from a, a nearby garden that you have or a garden that someone has like kind of those, one of those farm to table types of situations? So yes, um, a lot of my herbs, I do have a local, uh, it's called Fresh Farm out here in Littleton. And so I do try to source a lot of my things, Colorado grown. I do have a personal garden that I have for my family, but I feel like that's not able to produce as yeah. much things as what I'm needing for my company. But most of my things, I do try to shop local. Like as far as like plantains, that's a bit more harder and depending on like the season, coconut and pineapple. But as far as like bell peppers, onions, those are easily sourced here. I am looking for a local farm for my um, produce. But at this time, a lot of things are sourced here. And so anyone listening uh, that has heard this conversation and wants to wants to try your food or wants to try your juice, what would be the best way they could either get a hold of you or or find it in a local store or, you know, get set up with like a catering delivery type of thing? Yes, at this moment, my juice and meals are available at Sun Market off of North Lafayette and City Park. I am there every other Sunday from 11 to 3. We have pop-ups there, so you can definitely come up, talk to me, interact with me, and I always have samples because I feel like samples are a good way to start the conversation to see if you enjoy something, and if not, what can you enjoy? So I always love to just like... Let you try it out before you commit to something. Um, you can also reach out on my website. I am very visible on Instagram. So you can go on Instagram, Joanna's Kitchen, or you can find me on my website. With the website, we are converting it. So it's going to be joannasjuices.com. One final question, just something that may be on the minds of some people in the audience. And I know it's been some stuff I've read about on website, even seen YouTube videos about this. What do you think is the most common misconception that people have about Ghana? I would have to say, even from like my own kiddos, like I've asked, you know, coming up here, you know, do you guys have lights? Do you guys have roads? Like how is the civilization down there? So it's very 
very different to like at first when I get asked those questions, I would get mad. But then it's like what people don't know. They haven't been down there. It's all kind of what they've seen. And so that's why I'm really excited about being able to, once I go to Ghana, document how it is and how it's somewhat different, but so much alike to what we are here. I just definitely feel like just the outlook of just our livelihood is just misassumed that we just live very nature-wise, which is very true, but not to that extent. Yeah, so it's not like pre-civilization, <laughs> tribal, hunter-gatherer living. There are right. I mean, it definitely roads. used to be... 60 years ago, but I definitely feel like now we definitely have apartments and skyscrapers and Wendy's. Like there is stuff that oh. literally is here down there as well. Yeah, there's yeah, people. There's Wendy's, it's huh? crazy. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to hear the Ghanaian population can get Wendy's whenever they want. <laughs> so I definitely feel like it's amazing just being able to have for me have both worlds because it's not just what I seen, but I've actually been there to witness what it's like. Yeah. So, you know what it's like there, you know, what it's like here. There's probably a misconception on both sides of like what it it's like on the right. other side. Because yeah. Like I'm my cousin. That's like, Oh, must be like what they think about America is and people hear what they think about there. So it's just definitely amazing to just kind of like, come together or just be able to like explain to the other side, like it's not like that. <laughs> well, well, Joanna, first of all, thank you so much for bringing the, the Ghanaian cultural experience to Colorado uh, here and, you know, more so in the future as you start up that storefront where people can come in and do the cooking and do the, the meal together. And um, thank you so much for joining us today on Actions Antidotes and telling us about your story, your business, and some of these uh, you know, cultural learnings. And I would also like to thank everybody out there listening for tuning in again to Actions Antidotes. Encourage you to check out more episodes. I think this is number 64. So I think we'll have in a good number of episodes still lined up between now and the end of the year and probably into next year. So encourage you to travel, experience other cultures and, and have your mind open to other ideas, other possible ways to do things. And from that open-mindedness, from that gathering of experiences and ideas will probably come the idea that you want to pursue and the one that's going to make your life what it, you want it to be. The joy. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. It's definitely a, a process and don't give up. <laughs>